This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 61 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, joined by my co-host Joshua Perry. This podcast brought to you by Untuck It. And we usually don't do this. We usually tape our segments in the morning. But because the national championship game was on Monday, we decided, well, why not just do our podcast when things are fresh? The national championship game just ends. And so that's what we're doing, Joshua, and LSU taking down the Clemson Tigers 42 to 25. It's LSU's first national championship since 1977. Meanwhile, it is Clemson's first loss in 742 days. It's kind of wild when you look yeah. at that since, would you say 1977? Holy moly. 1997. 1997. Yeah. I was okay, going to so say 1977 would have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's walk that one back. But it's always, it's fun for me watching these games. And I, I'm a big fan of games with trophies and confetti and all that. But like, you know, my time hop on Facebook and, you know, Twitter reminds you, but it was five yep. years ago that yep. my team won a national championship. And when I sit down and do the podcast, I've got my rings in my office and they're kind of just displayed there. And I watch the guys and you see the emotion uh, when they're doing the trophy presentation and when the confetti's falling. So it's really cool to watch. Yeah, it. it is. I actually, I had all my stuff pop up on my timeline from covering that game. And I just remember as, as a reporter, you know, that covered you guys all season on the field and the confetti coming down and you guys were holding up the newspapers and, you know, it was just, it's almost surreal when you're down there. And just to see the emotion from you guys was just so cool. So anytime I watch it, it's not the same, obviously, as being there. But I I kind of always get a little bit like, not choked up, but kind of like, oh, man, reminiscent, you know, that, wow, I actually saw a team and saw a team that put in the hard work all season and get rewarded in the end. So it's a very cool thing. Um, This one, clearly, uh, I think in the beginning, went a little bit towards Clemson where we were thinking, okay, Clemson, you know, might have control of things here. They might be really getting Joe Burrow, you know, out of his routine. Uh, That wasn't the case. Joe Burrow, six touchdown passes today, holds the record for passing TDs with 60 this season. And when you think about this, this is a crazy stat. So LSU defeated seven ranked teams in the top 10 uh, this year, defeated the falling quarterbacks, um, Ellinger, Trask, Nix, Tua, Mon, Fromm, Hurst, and Lawrence. Um, some big names right there. So clearly they got it done. But Joshua, in the beginning, what were your thoughts with what was happening with what Clemson was doing? 
So my actual, my prediction of the game was a Clemson victory. And the reason why was because Trevor Lawrence, I feel like really good college quarterback, hadn't lost a game in college, been on the big stage before. I like Travis Etienne, the way that he's able to run the ball, but also his receiving ability out of the backfield. And then finally, Isaiah uh, Simmons on Clemson's defense was kind of my X factor there because he can play all over the field. And so you saw early on, or Clemson was able to go out there. They were in control of things. They did a really good job uh, offensively with some of the tempo that they ran just to keep LSU kind of off kilter. And then some of the defensive patterns that they ran in the front end of their defense to get some pressure on Joe Burrow. And even when it wasn't necessarily uh, getting quarterback hits, hits or sacks, just making him uncomfortable, I thought was really good. But there were some mm-hmm. fatal flaws in Clemson's game plan. It was yeah. kind of mind-boggling. First flaw to me, and it was early on in the game, their first and second down play calling was, was uh, atrocious good. at times. No, it wasn't. Even the first play of the game, they ran a trick play. <laughs> and uh, it's just – it's it sets – a bad precedent to run a gadget play yep. so early on in a game because it's basically saying like if we can't get these kind of plays to hit yeah. then we don't think that we can win uh, obviously that was the case but I think there were in some bad situations Trevor Lawrence did not do a very Dude, good did job he overthrow like a ton I mean I just felt like he was overthrown yes. his receivers tonight third downs was yeah I mean he was bad and he sailed some passes that he would usually make he looked very, very uncomfortable. And then even toward the end of the game, like he's doing his thing, yeah. he's running, he's trying to get yards. And I'm a big proponent for college quarterbacks to get down and slide like they do in the NFL, but these guys want to be tough and they're dummies. Yep. And then he fumbled the ball. Just wasn't a good day for him. And then the fact of the matter is they didn't get Etty in mm-hmm. the ball enough. And I think he is, in my mind, uh, the best running back in college football this year. He's very explosive. Like I said, he could catch the ball. Obviously a great runner. They just didn't get him the ball enough. And then finally, probably the biggest flaw is they could not match up with LSU's yep. wide receiver yep. talent. Yeah, just Chase, match Jefferson, you know, and, Moss. Yeah. Yes, all those guys. And you've got a $2 million a year coordinator who insisted on giving LSU one-on-one opportunities. Yeah. And they were hitting them. And I don't know. I mean, and I get, I understand I'm a football guy. Some of these coverages turn into one-on-ones in the back end, which is completely fine. But as much as possible, you bracket, you try to give help to one side of the field that, I mean, run mm-hmm. run two high safeties, you know, and say, if you can hit us in the yeah. middle of the field, you can hit us in the middle of the field. But the fact of the matter is they were getting one-on-ones and they were getting everywhere burned. and they were getting yeah, toasted. No, you they just weren't. Can't do it, was that. Ab- it was awful. It was bad. Um, we're sitting here with my husband and we were saying the same exact thing. <laughs> he literally just said what you said. Uh, and it just, and it didn't change. No, it didn't. You know? That was and, the issue. That was I, the issue. I think so LSU before the half, Joe Burrow got hurt. Like he got hit really like, like I think under his pads even a little bit. Yep. And, I was thinking, okay, even though they had that touchdown and everything, like he took a hit. He looked really, really uncomfortable going to the sideline. He was telling like his players, don't touch me, don't touch me. I'm thinking, you know, they go to the locker room. He's going to come out, and if he's playing with a bruised rib, a broke rib, who knows? And maybe we'll find out, you know, later on in the week what really happened. But I'm thinking, well, Clemson could maybe take advantage of this. So they come out of the third quarter and what do they do? They score a touchdown. I'm like, okay, yep. momentum back their way. Well, what went wrong after that, Joshua? 
Well, it was crazy. Uh, I said the same thing. So LSU went three and out twice to start the second half. And largely, Joe Burrow looked like he couldn't get the zip on the ball that he wanted. He sailed a couple of throws. And then on a third down, I think it was the first third down of the second half, he had his eyes completely on the pass rush and wasn't looking downfield. And I'm like, okay, here's an opportunity. But Clemson then gets the ball back after the second, third and out, uh, three and out. Doesn't do anything with the ball. They give it back to LSU, and LSU just starts doing what they do. They're an offensive juggernaut. They can outscore just about anybody, and they just put up points. And at that point, Clemson started to look a little bit dejected. Again, their offensive game plan wasn't great, weren't able to get some of the stops, and then putting your defense on the field. I'll, I'll, I'll give the defense a break on this as a former defensive player, but you keep those guys on the field long enough, and they're just they're going to give up plays. And the way LSU was running plays, getting tempo, and the whole deal, and then the short drives from Clemson offensively, it just really hurt their defense in the second half. Yeah, no, it did. And And here's the thing. You know what? I congrats to LSU. Congrats to Joe Burrow because I'm a big fan of Joe Burrow. Um, congrats to Coach O because my goodness, you know, when I hear somebody say it was my dream to be the head coach at LSU, and you look back at all the crap he's been through, and all the people that doubted him, and all the people that said you're not a you're not good enough to be a head coach at USC or wherever. And then he comes to you, uh, LSU, the place where he wanted to coach. That was his dream. And he not only coaches there, but he wins a national championship. I'm a fan of any person who has to fight through adversity to get to where they want to get to and gets the, the end prize. I tend to agree with that. And it's a, a heck of a story for both of those guys, like you just said. I think with Coach O, it's even more interesting because he he has a little bit of a uh, 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 spotted past too, just with some controversy and mm-hmm. kind of his old miss days. And then, you know, going to USC, I feel like that's not a clean program anyway. Um, but right. coming back to his home state and being ingratiated to a community, because I mean, you look at the way that their fans are, they love Coach O and Coach O loves being an LSU Tiger. He absolutely loves it. So um, it was awesome seeing that. And then obviously with Joe Burrow, guy who I know from my time at Ohio State, he was a great teammate at Ohio State. Obviously, the guys at LSU love and respect him. It's really, really good to see him go out there and, and truly surprise a lot of people because I knew he was going to be a good college player when his time came. Never thought he was going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. Never thought he was going to lead another team beside the Buckeyes to a national championship. Just didn't expect any of that to happen. So uh, it's really cool. But I, I'll be interested to see as the kind of the clock turns and we get into the off season, you know, it's looking like the number one overall pick right now, but then mm-hmm. you get into that part of the off season. I'll be this guy right now. I'll throw on my scouting cap where, <laughs> you know, we, we want to have conversations and we need to make TV and podcasts and stuff. So we asked the question, you know, got beat out at Ohio state, right. Was, a, you know, an average college starter last year, but was, you know, had an undrafted free agent grade coming into this year. And all of a sudden he becomes a great player. Is it the new offensive coordinator that he had? Is it the fact that his wide receivers are just a mismatch for every defensive backfield that they would ever play against? Yep. Or is it the fact that Joe Burrow is really that guy? Yeah. And I know some teams don't like one-hit wonders because they sure. just haven't worked out at times sure. in the NFL. But to me, 
I'll tell you one thing that you 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 can't you can't develop is that mentality, that toughness, that grit. He remembers all the guys who passed on him. He remembers yep. all the quarterbacks that were ranked ahead of him. It's just everything. Like that underdog mentality is something you can't teach. It definitely builds character. Um, well, have you ever seen an untucked button down? They look awful. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. So thankfully there is Untuck It, the original button down shirt that actually is designed to be Untuck. So no matter your size, shape, untucked shirts always fall in that perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combos, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check it out at one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. So with Untuck It, your shirts, they never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. Their website, really easy. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for a gift or just trying to find a relaxed style of your own, Untuck It, definitely the way to go. Visit untuckit.com. Use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That is untuckit.com. Promo code BLUED for 20% off. Okay, so we're going to get into this because this is something that you have been, and you're currently doing this while recording this podcast. So the multitasking is just incredible by Joshua Perry right now. The targeting call. Um, This is something that we saw in the semifinal game between Clemson and Ohio State. We saw it tonight with the player, the Clemson player being ejected. And immediately Twitter took fire and for yes. and rightfully so. So the big question is, is how do we reevaluate this targeting call and being ejected and what's, I mean, head to head, helmet to helmet, I get, but targeting with just the crown of the helmet and hitting another body part and you're ejected. I'm, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. So I just think it is a terribly written rule. I think there are a lot of non-football people that end up having a lot of say in what happens in football. And so when you get those people who write and create these rules, um, you get situations where players are incidentally making a specific contact that is banned and it leads to an ejection because there's no other penalty or course of action to remedy said foul. I think it is the worst thing. And and again, I'll put this out there. I feel like I have to say it every time because people say, well, you don't care about player safety. I was a guy who retired because of concussions. Right. I care about player safety 100%. But I also know that it's a known risk to play football. It's a choice to play football. And there's a specific way the the game is played. Mm -hmm. Because as a defender, if you understand kinesiology, if you understand proxemics and you understand reaction time, then you understand that the easiest way for a player to try to lower their profile so they don't get a high hit to the head and neck area is to lower their head. And so you're asking players to do things that are physically unnatural to avoid the plays that you want to eliminate. And then they get ejected from the game. It is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. No, it it is. And then it, 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 I don't know, is it something that, that college football could look at and be like, okay, we've got to figure out a way to define this to, because you're just seeing these guys get ejected like we did tonight. And while it's the rule, I mean, I don't think anybody who has, who watches football, who's played football, who gets the game is going to be like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, that should have happened. Yeah. I just, it's, I guess the most disappointing thing to me is you get 
the semifinal, which is the second biggest stage in college football, and then the national championship game, obviously the biggest stage where you have these calls that happen and they're not called on the field, which is another sticking point for me where if it wasn't a, a malicious enough hit to call on the field, yeah, yeah. I don't think that you should be able to go to the yeah. booth and add yeah. a flag to a yep. play. And then you're, you're, you're pulling out key players too. In both cases, it just happened to be um, two of the, the most important players on the defense, obviously a middle linebacker for Clemson, yep. Sean Wade, uh, kind of the nickel corner safety player for Ohio State. And, you know, I'm not saying that Clemson would have won the game. Um, I think Ohio State was probably a little bit more impactful, but he was a big part of the defensive game plan for oh, Clemson sure. and he's gone. Sure, he was their leader like, on defense. You want that guy Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a disappointing thing. And I, I, I know that people on Twitter, because you're, you're going back and forth with people on there that disagree with you. I, I, I mean, how did they argue their point? How, how are they arguing against what we're saying? I don't so the 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 guy that I'm arguing with said that if they football is trying to eliminate plays where players lower their head and I I, I think really he's trying to get at defenders okay. because I asked him a question I'll pose to the, the listeners here but and so you eject the player mm-hmm. and I said we're trying to judge the intent of the play because I think what they're trying to eliminate is not necessarily players lowering their heads because yeah. I've got plenty of examples where that happens they're trying to eliminate the plays where, you know, players are being lined up and targeted and they're being, uh, you know, physically, you know, taken out of the game plan, they're getting hurt, all that kind of stuff. And so you can put a system in where if you can judge the intent that it wasn't a malicious hit and it was incidental contact by the crown of the helmet, then you can give a 15-yard penalty because that discourages that kind of play. But when it's the big hit that was lined up, that was malicious, that's the one that you reject somebody for because you're trying to eliminate that play. So there are plays you want to discourage. That's a 15-yard personal foul. There are plays you want to eliminate. That's an ejection. And I'll say it like this. So a running back will be, you know, they're running the ball. They break through the line of scrimmage. They have two linebackers coming through. And they they lower their body, obviously, to try to run through the mm-hmm. tackle. And a lot of times on that play, they will lower their head as they're trying to lower their mm-hmm. shoulders mm-hmm. and bend their knees and their hips and everything. And sometimes there's incidental contact with the crown of their helmet to the shoulder area, the head or neck area of a defender, but it's never called. They've never called targeting on that kind of play, but that fits the criteria. No, it's so what are we talking? We're not trying to eliminate lowering the head. We're trying to eliminate specific plays that hurt other players. And that's what we should do. Exactly. And that needs, so that to me, they need to sit down and discuss it. We'll see what happens uh, in terms of you know the off season and what the discussions on are on different things because they always do that. As speaking of one of those discussions, so the talk of possibly in the future expanding the playoffs has been brought yes. up this year. What do you think with the four teams that we're in? Do you think? After this year, the four teams that were in, were those the right teams? And do you think there is a need for expansion at this point? Yeah. I mean, I guess it was the right teams. It should have been a three-team play. I, I, that's, I know. And, you know. and you and I both agree on this because we have literally <laughs> – we have put – we have put Oklahoma <laughs> in the trash this season on our podcast. And we have we have like – what's that trash thing where you like can like crumble it all up? Like one of those I trash dispensers. You know, we've yeah, done that. It's, it's like a, a compactor. We put them yes, in the compactor. Yes, a compactor. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah no. I mean, sorry. 
Sorry. Yeah, no. It should have been a three-team playoff this year. It should have been two and three play <laughs> in the semifinal, and then one gets a bye, and they play in the national championship game against the winner, which we basically got. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it, you could talk about some of the other teams that were sitting back there, Georgia, but we already saw Georgia play LSU. We saw how that played out. And yep. You've got Oregon, but we saw Oregon get beat by Ohio State twice, two different ways, and they played tight yeah. against Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin turned the ball over four times. Like, there was – I mean – LSU was the elite team. I think Ohio State was in that upper echelon sans two calls. I think they would have been a better matchup versus LSU. And I'll talk about that, I guess, toward the end of this segment, if we have a little bit of time. Clemson, obviously, is an elite team. They had a bad night throwing the ball, defensively couldn't get right. Mm -hmm. But this was, I mean, this was a year that shows why there's a four-team format. And if, if if, if, if there was some sort of expansion, I think six teams is a great system. Okay. Uh, three and six play, four and five play. Uh, you could do it, you know, home stadium. You could do it neutral site. I really don't give a damn. Yeah. And then one and two get a buy, and that truly incentivizes you to want to be one of the top two teams in America because you get that little extra time off to prepare and rest your bodies up and whatnot. But I, I think eight teams is way too many in any year. Oh, and yeah. people talking about a 16 team playoff. Are y'all crazy. need to go to Mars or something because that is yeah, the, yeah. the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is not the FCS. It's just not going to like, yeah, we're not, we, we, that's not going to happen. Right. What did you, what did you want to touch I mean, on so, real quick, by the way? Well, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll ask this question real quick and then I'll touch it. But like, who's number 16 this year that might've had to play LSU? Oh God. I don't even know. Like great question. They got boat raced. Oh, it would, there wouldn't even been like, it would have been no viewers. There would have been like first, first probably five minutes of the game. It would have been over. Yeah. Are you trying to look to see like, who's sick? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to tick into my computer here and see what pops up. I'm trying up to take there. a wild guess. Um All right, give me your guess. Then I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Oh, jeez. Um oh, That's what I thought. Really? Okay, give me a clue. Okay, it's a big ten team. Was it Minnesota? No. Oh. It was Iowa. Oh, that was my next guess. Okay. Yes. I didn't think Minnesota dropped that much, but I was like, Iowa was. No, Minnesota was 18. Okay. Okay. They would have got boat raced. Oh, God. That wouldn't no. have been close. That would have been, that would have been no. 70 to, no. to four. We don't need that, people. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a bad deal. But what I was, I guess my deal, uh, I thought Ohio State would have been a better matchup. In that For LSU? Not, you, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's not bitter Ohio State guy here, but I think LSU's offensive line was just okay. OSU would have had some success across the D-line there. I think OSU's defensive backs would have matched up way better with the talent that LSU had on the wide receiver core. And then I think that uh, our run game absolutely could have challenged LSU's defense a little bit more than Clemson's did tonight. So you know, and that's the thing about football. I think it's a game of matchups in a lot of ways, but you can also tell who the truly elite teams are. And there were there were three teams that were up there. And then the other teams were just the other teams. Yep. And it's every year it's gonna be a little different in terms of you know, I, I think for the most part the competition in those with the within the three teams were good this season. There's been times where we've clearly seen, you know, with cause Alabama's been so frequently in the college football playoffs that it's kind of gotten boring with them. So I think it was nice to not have them involved this year just to change it up a little bit. I I don't know. Every year is going to be different, but I think going to six would be okay. Yes. That way, if there is those years that somebody's really deserving, 
then those teams have a chance. So hopefully that is discussed as well. And we'll see how that all works out. So I want to end on a a fun note and you best be thinking I was going to bring this to the podcast today. So Mike Leach, our football coach at Washington state decides randomly this week earlier, sorry, earlier last week to announce, uh, he gone. He's leaving Pullman. He gone. He's leaving Pullman, Washington for no offense, but Starkville. Okay. I get it's the SEC, Mike Leach. I totally get that. And the SEC is just, you know, (laughs) it's it's God in terms of football. That's what people think. But my God, the Stark, Starkville, you're the bottom, you're the bottom feeder of the SEC that. I I forget about almost sometimes like that MSU is yeah. in the in the SEC and and here's the other thing Mike Leach maybe it was time for you to leave because you couldn't beat the Huskies in seven straight tries and you really didn't win a ton of bowl games but I will say this he he put us back on the map he gave us he he gave us some good attention up there he brought some recruits but when it's all said and done. As mad as I was last week, Joshua, I'm kind of glad that he's moving on. Okay, so first off, I'm I'm actually really glad to see uh, this personality in the SEC with some of these. I know, coaches. I knew you were going to say that. That's what, especially <laughs> with Lane, Lane Kiffin, Kiffin, my favorite college football. Coach, Mine too. Admittedly, I love to um, hate him. I'll say that. Yes. Oh, it's awesome. But okay, so I guess my question now is. Of some of the names that have been floating around, who do you want your team to hire? So I just heard that Hawaii's coach is probably coming here to Washington State. That's the guy. That's what I heard. Now, let me see here. So Nick Rolovich. So he's there's supposedly Pete Thamel put out a uh, report that he's in the process of finalizing a deal with I Washington see. State. Yeah, and so it's expected to be a five year. Yeah, this deal. is like. 30 minutes ago, I'm seeing yeah, news about that's, this. Yeah, I tweeted it out like right when I saw it, like 36 minutes ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Dang, that's crazy. I don't know a lot about him because, of course, I'm not on the West Coast right now. I just, it's hard for me to keep up I over there. I don't got time for that. Right? But I have heard good things right. about him. I really have. Okay. And th- there- I feel like that is such a, I, yeah, I don't know a lot, but I've heard good things. I know. Like, I, don't- I know. And Are you excited? <laughs> it's No, I'm not excited, Joshua. I'm, no, I'm not. But- but really, I mean, it's hard to get coaches up there, okay? And having Mike Leach yeah, was it like, it was, it was such a surprise because he wasn't coaching at the time. And I actually had just read his book and was like all about Mike Leach. And I'm like, oh my God, if Washington State hires him, I will be through the roof. And then I kid you not, like six months later, they announced Wash- that he was going up there. I'm like, is this a dream? So that was like a dream for me, like to have Leach up there. Is a dream for Pullman, Washington. It was a dream for Washington State. You know, now any coach, right. any coach to follow this right now is just going to be like, wah wah. <laughs> well, looks like this guy Rolovich is getting a big old raise. Right? Though. Says expected to be a five-year deal at an average of three million per season. Yeah. Said he signed a two-year extension last year in January on an original deal that paid him roughly four hundred grand in base salary a year. So this is this is a pe- nice little yeah. Bump well, there. buddy, you better beat the Huskies. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right? Because you're not – I'll tell you this, though, Joshua. He ain't getting the lenient, leniency 
that Mike Leach, Mike Leach was able to not be great or even no, he like, did a lot of things. it's because he, he was Mike anything. Leach, right? Yeah. yeah, I agree. So come on. I agree. But my biggest question, will the Southeastern Conference, will Mississippi State, will they be like, okay with that for as long as we were? That's the big question. Because the SEC, do, doesn't matter if you're a bottom feeder. Look at Arkansas. They fired three coaches in the past several years. I mean, right. they, they, they demand greatness, even though it might not be possible when you're a bottom feeder there but they're the sec they think they should be great so you think leach can recruit in the south i think he can but he's gonna have to have a defense i mean i agree right 100 with that yeah 100 agree. but hey they gotta play defense i might for the first time ever be watching the egg bowl next year (laughs) how do you not watch the egg bowl between mike leach and lane kiffin yeah, I just, I mean, again, like, I'll watch any game that Lane Kiffin's coaching in, honestly. I, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I wish I could go back when he was on the sidelines with Saban and they fought on the sideline. It was the best, it was the best entertainment I've ever watched in college football history. I remember Darren Lee shouting at Lane Kiffin on, uh, during the Sugar Bowl in 2014. <laughs> That's right. It was awesome. Because we covered, I forgot about that. You know, that was Kiffin's yes. first time he talked to the media that whole season. Really? Absolutely. We, they trotted him out um, right before, you know, we, they would bring him over to the hotels for the media. And this was, that was the first time he had talked all season. Yeah. Wow. Saban didn't let him talk. Uh, well, I got to let Joshua get to bed. It's like he's Eastern time. I'm Central time. So we're going to let, let that good. guy get to bed. I got to start. Pa- I'm going to Kansas City this weekend. I'm going to cover... The oh, yeah. Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game. That is right. I did not stutter. Tighten up. How about Tighten that? up. And Ohio should be pulling for the Titans because there's a lot of connections on that staff. So there we go. Mike Vrabel, Ohio State guy. Mike Vrabel. Got to get it done. Yeah. And then is Craig Ackerman still coaching special teams no, there? No, I don't think so. Well, maybe. I don't know. That was my guy. You know, that's a good question. I'm not. I should know that. Well, no, I'm hitting the Google machine too. Yeah, looks it, like uh, looks like he's still okay. Yeah. Well, he is special teams coordinator. So he was my uh, special okay. teams coordinator when I, I was playing in San Diego. I, I loved didn't him. know. I didn't know you knew him. So does he have connections to Ohio? Yeah, um, I think he grew up in Ada, where they make the oh, football. Yeah. Yep. yep. Sweet. That's cool. Yep. Well. Yeah. Great. Well, guy. Ohio. I hope you're rooting for. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. It's a good group and, you know, good coach. So we'll see how it goes this weekend. Um, it That does it for this episode of Press Pass as we slowly <laughs> – we're like falling asleep at the wheel here. Um, you can always go and follow us on social media. I'm at Kayla Anderson TV on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then Joshua Perry, like I said, he's even going in Twitter wars while he's recording this podcast. At 1 a.m. <laughs> Where can the people find you? You have to give your Twitter handle out. underscore (laughs) J-E-P. Did you have to go look at it? Did you forget it? Are you still going back and forth with people? No, I it, I think I think it I think it I think it might have lagged on us for a second. Oh, did it? Okay, sorry. I was like, um, you might have fallen. But yeah, I mean, I know, right? You might have fallen but, asleep. Yeah, but- before the game, I put out an unpopular take. I got ratioed. Oh, pretty awesome there. Oh. Yeah, I, I put out 
a tweet that said that I was rooting for Clemson because I always root for the team oh, yes. that beat yeah. me. And I must have had like 10 retweets and over 300 replies. Dang. So I got ratioed so crazily. Yeah, it's it sometimes bad. like the littlest things blow up, right? Oh, yeah. No, people were they were mad. <laughs> they were that's, big mad. But that's what he does, and that's why you should go follow him. You should also go subscribe um, now, in fact, because I'm sure you guys were entertained by this latest episode. Uh, I, iTunes, just click on um, – type in Press Pass. Click on subscribe. Give us a rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, I would definitely appreciate yeah, that, actually. Right? I know. Come on. Give us some love, people, in the new year. All right. That does it for this episode. We will be back at it next week. And I hope you guys enjoy everything. I know the college football season has come to end, but believe me, we have plenty to talk about. Um, we've got the draft that we're going to start preparing for, the combine, all that good stuff. So uh, college football, it's year-round. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>